Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Turnbuckle Post, the uh, most ridiculously fun podcast in professional wrestling. Joining me now, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Jesse the Body. I am, as always, Johnny Podcast. How are we doing tonight, Jesse? We're doing okay. A little, uh, little heavy-hearted, but you know, where this uh, podcast isn't about us, it's about the one thing that we enjoy and the one thing that brings me joy. And that is professional wrestling, whether it's good or bad, there's always something to uh, pick apart about it and enjoy. If, if you look hard enough, you can always find something to enjoy in pro wrestling. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's um, it's a nice escape. I mean, and we've we've talked about that, you know, with, with uh, COVID and, and everything that's going on uh, to have wrestling continue to produce new programming to this whole time has been um, <clears throat> has been very um helpful as far as just a distraction from just the constant bad news um you know what what i've always wondered is with with our listeners <laughs> i'm wondering at what age or even or even if they can remember about what time that they started watching pro wrestling and really started to enjoy it and get and get lost <laughs> in this world of uh of make-believe yeah i don't know that's a that's something i might we might post on our um on our socials and see if we get you know <laughs> some kind of response um because, yeah, I mean, I think it's different for um, You know, there's, you know, obviously, as I said, you know, I, I run the uh, the Twitter account and um, they uh, it's it's wild, man. The, the, the differences of, you know, like who like, they'll post things like who was your favorite wrestler back when you were growing up? And people post like John Cena. I'm like, good, <laughs> like, good God, I'm old. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, speak, speaking of John Cena, something I, I wanted to point out. You know, this past Monday, <clears throat> of course, with um, Drew having to quarantine himself, they had to rewrite Raw on the fly. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, they, I think they did the best they could with what they had. So they had uh, Triple H actually in action for the first time in a year and a half. I actually saw people kind of complaining about this on social media. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, Triple H has done his time. It's not yeah. been a year and a half since we saw him. To me, Especially with the way the current product is, it was a little refreshing to see him. You know, to see him out there. Yeah. And, <clears throat> I mean, he didn't go for very long, but still, you know, sometimes you got those wrestlers that that can still go. And you know, he's not there to take anybody's spot. He's not there to do any of that yeah. stuff anymore. He's just there to, you know, try to make the best out of out of his bad situation that they were in at that time. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of unilateral criticism of of the older wrestlers, and I think. <clears throat> I think the thing that's most important is you just have to have the context in mind. Uh, you know, like I heard people, you know, that were calling like AEW fans hypocrites because we were excited about Sting, but we didn't, we thought it was ridiculous that Goldberg was in, you know, WWE, but you got to look at the context of those two things. You know, Sting isn't coming in to re- even probably wrestle, but Goldberg is coming in to face the world champion every time he comes in. <clears throat> yeah, and we're we're gonna talk about that here here in a little bit on the show, but yeah, and it, it but and like I said, you know, I'm not saying one is good. I, I don't even mind Goldberg personally. Um, I think I think it's time to move on to different things, but but the point is, you know, there's a difference between taking someone's spot and helping elevate the guys that are trying to make it now. Yeah, and I think you know, there's a nuance there that people have to to acknowledge. Um. But um, I mean, I'll admit, you know, Triple H, 
it's kind of almost, and this is for Triple H, this is for John Cena, this is for Hulk Hogan. It's, you know, I'm not trying to say anything bad about these guys, but but I'm going to yeah. call, it, call it for what it is. It's kind of hypocritical to say, well, I'm not going to take, you know, I'm not here to take your spot. I'm here to help elevate talent. But in your younger days, that's not what you did. You buried yeah. talent. You didn't help get anybody over but yourself. And now you're saying, well, now that I've done everything I need to do, now I'll help put the other talent over. No, it's something you should have been doing at the time, like like Mick Foley did, like Daniel Bryan did, you know? Yeah. No, and that's, you know, that's the that's the biggest difference. And I, I think that's the biggest driver of, of the SmackDown brand. That was one of the things we were going to talk to talk about tonight, but um, you know, Daniel Bryan pulling the strings behind, behind the, behind closed doors. Um, he's pushed for Kofi to go up. He pushed for Kofi to go over for Kofi mania. He's pushing for Big E. He's pushing for Cesaro to have a good match. He's pushing for um, pushing that Nakamura, uh, you know, the Nakamura repush. And, you know, credit to him. He's he's willing to be the one to sacrifice to do it. And I well, don't because, know. Because I think he knows that the, the product needs to stay fresh. You can't keep going yeah. back to the same same thing over and over and over. You know, you can't have, like, say, for, just for an example, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens going at it every week for two months. It gets old. It gets stale. It's, you know, yeah. not what people want to want to see. It's like, okay, we've seen, seen this. We've seen many different variations of it. Let's move on right. to something else a little more fresh. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I don't. I think if I ever saw Sheamus and Randy Orton again, I would <laughs> I would throw up like all over the place involuntary. Oh my god, I, I'll never forget the match <laughs> they had after Mania. I can't remember what Mania it was, but it was the Raw. Of course, everybody knows. Nobody knows the Raw after WrestleMania is usually the most raucous and the mm. most uh, vocal crowd you'll ever hear at any wrestling event because it's the spillover from Mania where people from all over the world attend. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't remember what mania it was, but they had Sheamus and Randy Orton, and the crowd crapped all over that match. I'll never forget <laughs> it. They were throwing beach balls in the crowd. They were doing the wave because they just did not want to see these two go at yeah. it again. No, and it's it's nothing again. Like you know, we're we're going to be critical of of the of how the product is presented. I can't be critical of a wrestler. I I I. I I haven't lived it. I haven't done it. Um, you know, there's certain cases where, yes, I will be like, I mean, I've been pretty straightforward about how I felt about Lana. I think she's actually stepped up her game now that I've, you know, that I've criticized her in the past, but, um, but we're not gonna, we're not here to, you know, criticize. No, it's not that against the wrestlers at all. Yeah, no, but at the same time, it's, it's the, it's the management, it's the creative, it's, them throwing the same guys against each other 4,000 times to the point where it doesn't mean anything. Well, it's like, I'm wondering if back there they were saying, you know what these fans from all over the world would want to see live? Let's throw Randy Orton and Sheamus together in a match for the 700th time. That'll really, you know, get the crowd going. And it got them off their butts all right, but for the wrong yeah. reasons. <laughs> well, I remember they tried to they tried to force like a, a, a Orton-Cena moment at one of the Royal Rumbles and it like landed completely flat and they're and they're like the backstage reaction was well why did why didn't the fans enjoy that and it's like because we've seen it a billion times yeah <laughs> like, nothing against either one of those I mean they're you know Randy Orton's a fantastic performer and so is Cena but it's just uh you just you have to come up with fresh things and new ideas and I mean even if it's an old feud if you come up with a new way to approach it you know that's that's something different at least. But and, and with SmackDown, you can see the improvement. And I think that 
that they're, that Rock said ratings don't matter to us, and I don't think ratings matter to a lot of people anymore. But mm-hmm. I know that wrestling companies do use ratings to see who's watching their product. Yeah, and I think the ratings for SmackDown have gone up a little bit since Dan, and I think that's why they've kept Daniel on creative, and they've been pushing him more to be on the creative team because he wants yeah. to have these guys come out there and have freshmen. He wants to push new faces. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we talked about on our um, year-end review, I mean, uh, you know, it, it starts at the top. Uh, you know, Roman Reigns, as the centerpiece of that brand, has just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Every segment he's in, nothing has nothing has landed flat yet. Um, and I, that's a credit to him as a as a performer. And, you know, as as you said, you know, they're building up. He, that, he's that. he's made you hate him. I mean, he's he's been yeah. such a good heel. That you you literally when you see this guy on screen you're like man I want to see him get his ass kicked so bad to take yeah. him off of that perch right yeah. now yeah but you also there's also a respect there because he's still he's not he's not a slimy like wormy heel he's he's still he's still a badass and I there's there's something that's I don't want to say attractive but there's something that's uh, I guess it's polarizing you either love it or you hate it appealing and yeah. that's yeah, and and that's that's something that you know, I, I've heard from uh, people that have a history in marketing. You don't, you know, the opposite of not of love is not hate; it's apathy, because you if you love or hate something, you have a powerful emotion about it. But if you have apathy about something, like people did as you know, Superface Roman Reigns, you know, there's nothing there. There's nothing you can do with that, and um, and I think that creating these characters that are nuanced and and uh, powerful like that have have made for better television and and to your point about ratings i know they did just an incredible number when they had the uh nfl's lead in um on that that uh, christmas day game um i don't remember who the teams were but they did some kind of like almost four million or something like that um just an incredible number and especially on a friday um that's if, if you know anything about television that is a very difficult night to be successful in, and, and WWE has continued to be successful since their debut. Well, could could also do. I mean, it was Christmas; things were closed down, mm-hmm. so people weren't going out and doing anything. But like you said, they was like, okay, watch the NFL game, yeah. and then they saw the previews for what was coming up. They advertised what was coming up, so people yeah. went ahead and stayed tuned in to see, you know, what was going to happen. They started yeah. out with a great cage match, and then ended with a feel good moment with Big E winning the Intercontinental Title. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, and that's another credit. I mean, they, they credit to WWE there. They they read the they read the room. They knew exactly what they needed to do to make it make it a, a show that people would want to see. And it wasn't. Uh, I think they realized that there's a there's a chance there to grab those casual fans that may not normally watch WWE, and that that was their opportunity, and they did well with it. And and SmackDowns continued to thrive. Um, just because of that, or not just because of that, but because they've continued to make the right choices. And and when you compare that to Raw, it's just it's I, it's I can't even believe these are the same company. Um, you know, with the way that they do things, uh, just well, NXT is it, completely different. So you see what you see NXT, yeah. and you're like, man, this I can't even believe this is WWE because it's so much different from Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. I mean, with Raw and SmackDown, you watch you you know there's a connection there. You know, you know. The, it kind of yeah. looks the same, but NXT just looks completely different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's what you know. That's the great thing about NXT is it's it's basically it's indie wrestling with a multi million dollar budget, and um, it, it's very unique, but it's it's great. I mean, and it's 
it's it's amazing that WWE can pull off all these different you know styles of programming. Um, but at the same time, I mean, uh, creatively, it's just and, and you know after the superstar shakeup, you know they drafted the Fiend to Raw, they drafted uh, Alexa Bliss to Raw, they drafted you know they kicked away the Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio feud that lasted forever. You know they 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 it seemed like Raw took took more than it gave back to SmackDown. And yet SmackDown has continued to be the stronger show because they they know how to use what they have. Yeah. And it feels like Raw is kind of an aimless three hours every week sometimes. And I think time has a lot to do with it. You know, SmackDown they have yeah. an hour less than Raw. So they they, mm. they don't spend a lot of time on promos. They tell a lot of their stories in the ring or as Raw, you could get a promo for about a half an hour filler and you're like, Okay, you know, enough talking, let's Let's move on to something yeah. else here. You know, you can only say, I'm Mr. Money in the Bank and I'm the greatest of all time so many times and it just gets boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, then, and I, I, you know, just to that point, um, I don't know if you've watched Raw from last week or from this week, but uh, they brought out Gilbert and uh, some fat guy in a kilt to, to represent Drew McIntyre. And it, yeah, I read about it. I, I just, it's not funny. I don't. I mean, if it's supposed to be humor, it's not funny. If it's supposed to be serious, it's not, you know, it's not something that I would take seriously. And it's, it's just, it's bad creative, um, you know, not, and that's nothing against Miz and Morrison. I'm sure they tried, you know, their best to make it work, but it's, it's the old day sketch all over again. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're not funny, if you're not actually funny, then you shouldn't try to do humor. And I think that's, you know, when WWE doesn't land it, they land straight on their face, and that was one of those one of those situations, right? And, and uh, I mean, they they do have some funny moments, like our truth with the twenty four seven title. I think he's hilarious. I think he's got oh, great yeah. comedic timing, and he, he nobody else could make that work but him. Right? No, absolutely. And I mean, he's he's earned the respect of his peers, and he's made people like Brock Lesnar laugh. And Brock's a notoriously uptight jackass for lack of a better term but he um you know he made him laugh and want to work with him again and you know truth has got an, an amazing amount of talent and ability that um i i don't think i don't think he gets enough credit for but um but yeah i mean and but that's the thing though he has the ability to pull it off and it's not he's just doing what he want. like he's just doing what comes natural to him and it's worked for him um, but you're, you know, you're putting over these idiotic segments that, that don't, you know, they're not funny. They're not topical. Like I, I'm sure a random fan doesn't know who Gilbert is. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a, you know, 20 year old, probably even more than that joke. Like it's just when they, when, yeah, when they I try comedy and when they try to force it and when they try to use it with people who just aren't, don't naturally have that funny instinct about them, like you said, it yeah. just kind of falls flat. It's it's not yeah. appealing to the normal fan. It just makes you want to change the channel. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's just it's just another it's another swing and a miss. I mean, you look at things like retribution. You look at you know you look at the comedy they're trying to do with Miz. Every everything they've done with Otis since WrestleMania, pretty much, or maybe Money in the Bank. 
and you know it's like they they had something there i mean he was he was just kind of an upstart underdog and they've stripped everything away from that and now he's just following chad gable's lead on smackdown yeah um and, and, and even with you know, morrison morrison is still man i mean I swear that dude hasn't aged in 10 years. He's still in incredible shape. No. He's a great athlete. They, they need to focus more on that with him and not trying to make him comedy character, man, because yeah. the guy can still pull off a hell of a match. Yeah, he doesn't have – I mean, he has the personality of, of a wooden stake, but but he is an amazing athlete, and, um, you know, he's – he can pull off different things, and, and I think, you know, they're missing an opportunity if they only look at him as a, as a hand. Um, I think, you know, he's been a world champion everywhere else he's been. And, you know, that, that is what it is. But, you know, I, I think if they don't turn him against Miz and give them a, a, you know, satisfying program, I think they're missing, missing a golden opportunity. Speaking of a golden opportunity, um, I think the thing with Shinsuke right now has just been, has just been awesome. I've been an advocate for this yeah. guy for years since he came to smile now. I think he was being, He's been misused really bad these last couple of years. But to see him mm. in that gauntlet match go the distance like he did, it, it reminded me of what happened with Kofi Kingston. It's like, okay, is is this going to be yeah. something long-term with, with Shinsuke? Do they really see something in this guy now that they're going to try to try to push him? Because I was, I was impressed with him in the gauntlet match. For him to go that long, mm-hmm. that tells me that management, or at least somebody had a lot to do with, hey, let's push this guy, yeah. see what he can do, you know, see what, what has made him such a beloved athlete. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was more like the Shinsuke hold, um, you know, especially from his New Japan days. And, um, you know, the, the, we've seen this before. You know, that was that was the relaunch of Seth Rollins. That was, you know, Kofi, you know, it, it was Kofi showing what he could do again. And then obviously Shinsuke now. And, um, you know, I think it's people become complacent. It, it's, you know, the WWE style is to go out there and get, you know, a handful of moves over and then connect with the crowd. And I think that, you know, we as fans also get complacent with seeing the same thing over and over. And we forget that how talented these people are until they're in a long form match like that. And we usually don't get that on television. You don't you usually only see people really show out on pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, or uh, whatever it's called now, uh, special events or whatever they're whatever their phraseology is. Yeah, yeah special, but, special events, live live events, yeah, it's whatever they want to call them. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just yeah. the, whole, the whole thing with him running and then, you know, like I know people were upset. It was like, oh, you know, they put Shinsuke ran this and then Adam Pierce ended up. It's like, you know, you got to wait for this thing to play out. And that's another thing that's wrong yeah. with wrestling fans. They, they don't have any patience anymore. They don't want to see things play out. It's like, okay, do you really want to waste a Roman Shinsuke match at the Royal Rumble where the main events are the Rumble matches themselves. The title matches are secondary yeah. compared to the main attraction, the main appeal to everybody in the Royal Rumble is the Royal Rumble matches, period. Yeah, no, and, and that's, I think that's been traditionally the booking of Royal Rumble is they kind of take a uh, chance on the, on, the, on the world title matches because they don't mean as much. Um, you know, I know, I remember like Punk faced Ziggler at one of the Royal Rumbles. I mean, obviously they did Punk and The Rock at a Royal Rumble, but that was just because they had to, um, you know, The, the Rock had so, uh, such a small time frame that he was available that, you know, they had to do it then because they didn't have an, another opportunity to do it. Right. But, but, um, yeah, a lot of the times it's, you know, they're, they're given some 
chance that you know normally wouldn't get a get a WWE title match. So, and then they threw uh, another curveball at us last Friday when it was it was announced Pierce wasn't going to be in the match, and it was yeah. going to be you know once again Kevin Owens and they're going to do a, a last man standing match. Yeah, and that that should uh, should be pretty pretty terrific. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Owens has been uh, pretty solid, especially since last WrestleMania. His his face run once it really got going has been has been pretty good. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see him work with Roman again. And uh, you know, and like I said, I've I've been a big fan of what Roman's been doing. And um, just a quick uh, aside. Um, you know, they've announced uh, locations for the next three WrestleManias. Um, so maybe a little bit of hopeful, hopeful thinking, but um, this year will take place, excuse me, in Raymond James Stadium, where it was supposed to be last year. Uh, the following year will be at SoFi Stadium in San Francisco, I believe. Or no, I'm sorry. The following year will be in uh, Dallas, Texas. And then um, 20, 2023 will be in Los Angeles, which was supposed to be this year. Um, so they've announced those. I think they're anticipating having some form of a live crowd. Um, well, so, I read, I read you know, today hope- for this coming upcoming WrestleMania that because, um, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they've had about 14,000 fans in attendance being able to, mm-hmm. to socially distance. They want it cause they're doing, they're doing a two night WrestleMania again. It'll be on April 10th and 11th. So it'll be two nights again, but they're right. going to try to do about 25,000 people for both nights. Which is about fifty thousand, which would be the normal, a normal gate for you know like an like an arena show. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that makes sense. I know. Um, so I heard on the radio today the Super Bowl this year. Um, you know, obviously they're not going to have actual fans, fans, but they're going to allow uh, frontline workers that have already been through the vaccination process. They're going to actually be allowed to come. Um, and I don't know uh, what like what capacity that's going to be, but I believe that's in Tampa too. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. So that's, that's at Raymond James this yeah. year as well. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. And I mean, obviously this is something we talked about with our, with our crystal ball predictions. It's, you know, we want to, we want to see, you know, hopefully the end of this thing and, and not even, even if it's not the end of this thing, maybe just a, 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 a progression in towards, you know, being able to socialize with other people again, um, you know, and especially in, in a big venue like that for, for wrestling. Well, and, and, that, and that's the thing too, man. I mean, it kind of worried me a little bit. It's like, okay, are we going to go through another year of having no fans? Because it, it it's going to hit pro wrestling companies and their bottom line eventually. You know, they, they depend on fans. They depend on live crowds. At, you know, they depend on yeah. these ticket sales. I mean, you can only get by on TV deals and everything for so long and sponsorship deals for so long. Where you got to start having right. your consumer-based product, so you have to have consumers right. in there. Could you imagine if this thing would have took place during the seventies, eighties, or even nineties? Wrestling would go. Oh, they would all shut down. Wrestling would have went yeah. under. It wouldn't have survived. Yeah. No. No, it's been. I mean, they've been fortunate that you know we have television and the internet, and you know they, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, at least you know New Japan and and WWE and um impact all have their own streaming service um you know so they're hopefully bringing in money that way with their with their um legacy content but um and and with their live stuff but um but yeah i mean there's you know that that's the thing that is keeping these guys afloat right now is multiple revenue streams 
you know, their WWE just doesn't isn't just worried about their live gate attendance. They also got the network coming in. They've got, like you said, sponsorships. They've got toy deals. They've got all these other, you know, all these other revenue streams that they wouldn't have normally had. Right. And um, you know, or not normally, but you know, like as you said, you know, in the seventies or eighties, they wouldn't have had these types of revenue streams. Yeah, they, they would have had to shut so, down. I mean, they, they yeah. wrestling would have yeah. went completely under. Yeah, and I think the the good thing for, in my estimation, that's come out of this is I believe they said they're not going to be doing a house show circuit anymore. That, which, that was being um, discussed before because I remember reading about that in 2019 yeah. where they're saying that it's not profitable to do that. They're making so much money off the TV deals and their, like you said, their mm-hmm. their, their streaming service and their rep, that they don't really need to do the house shows anymore. And, and it's, it'd be good for the talent yeah. too because they can actually rest up a little bit instead of working, you know, five days a week on the yeah. road constantly. Yeah. And that was, that was actually the point I was, uh, I was going to get to was, you know, I think that's better for the guys that have to do this, you know, um, well at the time it was 300 nights a year, but you know, if you're only doing TV tapings and, and, uh, a, you know, a pay-per-view once a month, that's a significantly less workload than what you're normally looking at. And I think that's that's good for everybody. You're going to see less injuries. You're going to have people that are more energized and more, um, you know, devoted to their craft. And uh, they'll, they'll bust out moves that, yeah. that they normally wouldn't because they know they have that time to recover. Like I said, yeah. it was coming, but I think this pushed it to that point. I think when we are, when fans are allowed to come back, I think house shows are going to be a thing of the past. I don't think they're going to do them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know I'm totally fine with it. Um, you know I've they they were I've fun, really... but they didn't really. They were more for, I don't know if you've ever been to a house show, but I mean, they were, they were just more for, you know, just to, just to give the fans something that were there or something that you wouldn't see on TV. You know, a lot of the times they, they wouldn't bust yeah. out the big moves. They, they would joke around a lot. So it wasn't like a big, a big thing or it was being yeah. when you're on TV or a pay-per-view. Yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. Um, you know, it's more for the live gate, more for the live audience. Excuse me. But, um, yeah, I never, I never went to one, but, um, but I've seen how they act like in in dark segments and things like that, where it's all just kind of you know, ha ha, goofy, um, and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm glad they have fun, but but for the workers, um, you know, I'm I'm extremely happy that 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 should be the end of you know them having to bust bust their tail all over the country to you know to make a few extra dollars for you know a global empire. Um, I think I think it's it's time for that to be done. Well, I think and, I think it'll happen uh, a lot that... of these guys too, where they won't be addicted to painkiller so much. They won't be addicted to maybe the the partying so much that has ruined a lot of these guys' uh, lifestyles. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it'll it'll just be better for their mental health as well as their physical health yeah. to not be on the road so much. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, being, there's nothing wrong with being home more. Um, I think anybody would want that, um, you know, especially these guys that have families and. And things like that, um, you know, they, you know, it's important to be, you know, around, especially when you got young kids like that, you know, like a lot of these guys have, um, you know, that's, you don't want to miss that. And I think that was what was hard about a lot of the old timers was, you know, you, you had to get in your car and drive to that next date or you weren't going to get paid. And, um, you know, a lot of them missed out on, you know, their, you know, their family and all, all that stuff. So. Yeah, a lot of them missed out on birthdays. Like a lot of the older wrestlers, they regret the fact that they missed out on birthdays. Some of them had to work Christmas. Uh, they missed out on, on yeah. graduations, weddings. I mean, a lot of these guys missed out 
on so many family things because they were they were trying to keep a roof over their family's heads, which was fine. I mean, yeah. monetarily they were there, but you know they weren't really yeah. there. So it's like, you know, they they, they were yeah, they, I mean, they had to pick one or the other. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, in some respects, we can relate, but. You know, there's always, you know, we, we have vacation days. We're, we're not going to be punished for taking a vacation day. And, and, you know, in our type of, you know, work or, you know, in most workplaces, you're not going to be punished for taking a day to go, you know, do this or do that or, you know, um, but they don't have that opportunity. It's, you know, if you take time off, you might not get, you might lose your spot. Yeah. Um, and then, then you're not making the money that you want to make for your family. So, um. Now talking about going so back to the, uh, I mean, speaking of old timers, going back to the Goldberg thing. I'm, well, <laughs> it's like, okay, they 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 put him against Drew. I get why they did it. You know, like I said, the Rumble matches are what the main event is. But right. I'm hoping that they use this as an opportunity for Goldberg to put over Drew and not have Goldberg go over on Drew. Because I, I'm telling you, man, if if they have Drew lose, I think he's gonna. He's, it's going to be hard for him to bounce back. He's been such a great performer in 2020, helped keep the company going. For them to, mm-hmm. to do that to him, if that does happen, will be just a real kind of kick in the balls, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I think it. I think honestly it's a mistake. I thought it was a mistake when they put, put him over the fiend. Um, you know, I like I said, I, I like Goldberg. I think, you know, for what he is, he's a fun – it's a fun act. Um, and I enjoyed his comeback when he was wrestling Lesnar and, um, uh, a couple of years ago, but, but it's just, you can't keep putting him over people that are, you know, there all the time doing the work. Um, and you know, you got this guy that is, you know, 50 plus years old. He, he's covered in sweat by the time he even gets to the, yeah. <laughs> and then he can, you know, he can only put in like a, you know a six minute match. I mean, and that's, that was his typical work rate, but you know, for him to, for him to get his stuff in, I mean, it has to be a short match. So that doesn't do drew any favors. Um, you know, I just, I, I hope to see drew just play more of him and be done with it. Well, I'm hoping um, that they don't look at drew as being the guy that okay. Our ratings are bad. It's because you're not bringing in viewers as, as the champion which they can't really go off that anymore. I understand why they did back in the day. It's like your champions what brought in the money, yeah. your champions what put butts in the seats. But it's like we've talked about today's product has changed so much over the years that it's not really just dependent yeah. on one guy. It's a group effort. And, and right. Drew has well, just carried that flag and has just been, to me, a great champion. I think some of his segments are, are the best segments, and he has some of the best matches. Yeah, and that's – I think that's the the problem with with uh, you know raw like raw especially on a macro scale is you know you have a you know a decent a, a lot of energy is per, is used on the top few the main level few and that's fine I mean that's understandable that's your that's your main breadwinner that's your, that's your guy but they're not putting the time and effort into down the card and as we've talked about a good wrestling show should be some have a little bit of something for everybody, a little bit of something for everybody to sink their teeth into. And when you're not investing that creative energy into the, the show as a whole, you, that, I mean, your show's going to fail and it doesn't matter how good that main event is. There, nobody's going to sit through three hours of it to see what, Drew, what Drew McIntyre does this week. And that's, that's not against Drew. 
that's against the the company as a whole or the the booking of Raw as a whole. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, it does. I mean, like you know, Raw's just such a long show. They have such a lot of filler. It's not it's not the problem with your champion. It's the problem with the way the way you book. You know, you have two times more talent than SmackDown. Use them all. Half the long yeah. matches. Like I thought the match between him and Keith Lee on Legends Night. That's one of the best WWE title matches I've seen since Drew was champion. It was great. It yep. put over – I mean, Drew won, but Keith Lee still looked good even in defeat, and that's what you want to do. To build up build up those guys, you want to still want to make them look good even in defeat. Yeah. I mean, and that's – you know, winning, winning and losing doesn't really matter in wrestling. As long as you tell the story in a way that, uh, you know, both guys come away looking good. Um you know, like I, like we've talked about before, there's a difference between, you know, Ric Flair put over Sting by letting him beat the crap out of him for 45 minutes. And, and he didn't win. It was a draw. But then, you know, Hulk Hogan was supposed to put over Kidman. And he literally whipped Kidman around the ring for 20 minutes and then basically just let him beat him on a fluke. That didn't, that didn't help Kidman. That didn't help create a new star. No. Whereas... Whereas Ric Flair, you know, made a new star by allowing Sting to. It made, it made, made it look like Kidman got lucky. Yeah, and then you know what? You know what? What's the? Where's the build from that? You know that's you, you just it's it's not about like I said it's not about winning and losing and obviously you know I I like AEW but and they have their rankings and they keep track of the wins and losses and it's it's all for presentation's sake. And to help with their, you know, their storytelling, and I get that, but, but on a large scale, um, and and in in the general sense, the winning and losing doesn't matter. It's just about how how the performance is taken by the audience, and and if you can elevate other people to a level where you know people are going to pay to see, you know, these guys perform. Um, so I'm kind of rambling here, but no, I mean you're you're, but, you're exactly right. And, you know, we're not doing these criticisms because we hate wrestling. We're doing it because we love wrestling. We want to yeah. see the booking get better. I mean, all, just about every talent is, is good. I mean, as long as the talent has good stories to work with, you're always going to get quality programming. It's when, you know, they're, they suffer from bad booking is what makes it bad, like Cesaro. He's been a victim of bad booking for years, but he is a great mm-hmm. performer. I mean, the man yeah. knocks it out of the park every single time, and hopefully he'll get a little bit of a rub, too, out of this um, – Shinsuke, yeah, Shinsuke run with who you know he's even returned with his original music when he was a face, so he's pretty much a face now. Yeah, that's I thought I got that was kind of the the direction where they were going, and I assume to see you know him work with Jay until he's ready to work with Roman, and um, you know I think that's good for both of them. Um, and you know obviously, you know we'll see what happens with you know if it's a continued push or if it's something that they lose interest in, but. But SmackDown, the creative team for SmackDown, and I don't know if they're, you know, I don't know what overlap there is, but but they seem to have a more um, structured approach and a more patient approach with how they're putting things together. So, Well, they, they just seem to have, you know, and it's the same thing with NXT, you know, where it only has two hours. But NXT just does a good job where they don't spend a lot of time on promos. They do a lot of wrestling. They let the wrestlers tell the story in the ring and – you know, Raw just needs to have that that better balance where they can have these guys wrestle a little bit longer matches, tell the stories in the ring, and not be like, okay, well, we got three hours, we got to throw in throwing a bunch of promos. You know, that's not the way it needs to be. 
Yeah, well, and like you like you were talking about with uh, you know, the big big E the big big E moment on the Christmas SmackDown. I mean, I don't I don't know if I could even tell you who the US champion is right now off the top of my head. Um, and that's that's a credit to SmackDown's booking that I know who the mid card champion is and you know how they got there and why it's important versus uh I, I literally who is the US champion right now? I have no idea. It's Bobby Lashley. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Okay. My mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Which and I think I think now that I've said that, I think the Hurt business is uh is a is a fun group and it's a it's an interesting addition to the show um on Raw and I think it's something they haven't done enough with. Yeah, and, and, they're, and they're one of the highlights of the show, you know. They've done with them what they haven't been able to do with retribution. They've kept them a dominant group. They've kept them strong. Even when they've lost, they've still, you know, looked good in defeat. So they've really booked the Hurt Business the right way, whereas Retribution is just just, just really floundering, man. And, and it sucks because every guy in that group is, is very talented and was yeah. – you know, every guy, any girl, Mia Yim. But they were, all, yeah. they were all extremely over in NXT and had great gimmicks. I just don't – you know, I, I don't know. I, I think they could still rebound from this if they just give up Retribution. I think if they all came out in their original gimmicks, they'd get over just fine. Yeah, I think, you know, you have a handful of uh, Dominic Dijakovic, uh, Keith Lee matches, and I think the fans would eat it up. Oh, yeah, man. They um, have great matches in NXT, and these guys yeah. are real-life best friends. They love working yeah. together. And I think it, it pains Keith Lee to see what they've done to Dominic and even his girlfriend, Mia Yim, probably. He probably looks at this retribution group and just groans to see what two of his people that he's closest with are, are yeah. going through with bad booking. Yeah, and I think and and I remember seeing um I guess they don't want to give Ali a live mic anymore because of some something he said on Raw Talk. Um so I, I don't remember what exactly the, the situation was with that story, but but it there was some reason that he said something that was critical of the WWE booking and um I guess they were not very very happy about it, but um, well, it's funny it's... you mentioned that Undertaker. I just read right before we started doing the podcast that he had some uh, strong words for the booking as well. I think Undertaker at this point isn't worried about anything, but yeah. you know he's he's like I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but he goes it needs to be said, and he yeah. you know a lot of the stuff they're doing now is just soft. He goes, you know they don't let these guys go out and and push themselves and do what we used to do, and 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 you can tell because it's it's creating staleness in the product. He's like, you know, they're not letting these guys really just go all out there. They're, they're having them hold back. And he goes, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be doing that. No, I mean, that's, that's a good, that's a good criticism. I think, I think that, I think Vince would do himself a favor by getting some of these, you know, old guy, older guys that aren't wrestling anymore to come back and to, to pick their brains. Uh, you know, I think Steve Austin has a great mind for the business. I think Undertaker has a great mind for the business. Obviously, we've seen what Triple H, you know, has done and continues to do with NXT. But, um, you know, I think if those guys are willing to do that and they want to help the newer generation, I think they need to get Vince's ear and and be like, look, you know, we made we did this on our own. You know, we we went out and cut our own promos and designed our own characters and things like that. And you can look at things like the New Day. Um, you know, the New Day, they, they talked about it on podcasts, you know, how many times they went to Vince and, you know, he gave them something and, and they, they went back and were like, no, New Day's not going to be about this. 
And, you know, they fought him on it every step of the way. And you can see how much passion and how much <clears throat> effort they put into their gimmick after they were allowed to do what they wanted to do. And, well, I and think now, and now uh, is an even uh, more prime time than ever to try new things when you don't have when you don't have live attendance, when you don't have fans. Yeah. That is really the time to really try new things and see what gets over and gets doesn't when you don't have a live crowd there. To me, that's that's an opportune time. To, to push new things and try yeah. new things. Yeah, you're not going to have someone crap on it immediately and, mm. you know, just to to put themselves over, which a lot of, you know, a lot of the crowds do that. It's, you know, oh, we made it on TV because we weren't acting the way WWE wanted us to. Right. And, I mean, and, and I get that to a certain extent, but at the same time, you know, it's not easy for those guys in the ring trying to figure these things out. Um, you know, but, but it also hurts... Know, too, and the fact that when you don't have that live fans, you don't know what's really getting over or not. You know, they're piping in noise right now to try to make it feel like yeah. a more, you know, crowd, crowd-based thing, but you don't have real fans there. So it's kind of a catch-22. I mean, yeah, it's like you don't have yeah. the fans there so you can try to do things, but then again, you don't have the fans there to see what's getting over and what's not getting over. Yeah, and that's that's true. I mean, it's, it's a live, it's a audience-based performance in, in some respects. <laughs> Um, kind of like an improv almost. And, um, you know, they, they kind of have to learn from them. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's it's a little bit of a catch-22. But, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I just – I don't see the effort there. Um, you know, I don't see the – I don't see how, how Raw is going to turn back into something that people have to see every week. Um, you know, other than outside of, you know, talent like Drew and Keith Lee and then, you know – the you know Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton, Fiend, everybody setting each other on fire thing. Um, you know, I think that's one of those things you're either gonna like it or you're gonna not like it, um, or love it or hate it. But um, you know, I think Randy's doing the best work of his career right now, and um, uh, you know, e- even with you know having to wear a mask last week and uh, you know fake burns on his face, um, you know he's still trying to do the best that he can with what he's given. Oh, I think I think like Alexa Bliss is doing some of the best work of her career. I think she's knocking that out of the park right now. She's really yeah. dove into this character, and I really enjoy, you know, seeing her on TV, kind of acting the way she does. I think some of the theatrics they do, they could do away with, just kind of yeah. let her do it on her own. But other than that, I think she's just uh, putting her with the fiend was was a, was a good thing. Now looking back on it, yeah, no, and I, I had my I had my reservations about it at first, but it's been like you said, they've done a really great job with it, um, you know, and it's and to, to her credit, she's carried this storyline while the Fiend's been gone since he was murdered for lack <laughs> of a better term. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, you know, and it's I think they're they're pointing towards his return. Uh, it just hasn't it hasn't materialized yet. But as you said, I mean, it, you're not it's it's a it's a dealing from strength when he doesn't have to be there every week to put over the storyline with Brandy Orton. Yeah. Speaking of, I, I've, I'm still watching NXT. I'm about caught up. Caught up I'm, now. In, I'm in 2020, but I'm to the mm-hmm. point where the pandemic really hit and seeing the uh-huh. empty full sale with these wrestlers coming out. It just goes back to a time. It's like, man, I can't believe this was really like this at one point. You know, you don't think about it at the time. Yeah. And then you go back and rewatch, and you're just like, "Wow, man!" It's just it had to be depressing for some of those some of those guys to come out there and just you know they're used yeah. to seeing a full uh, 
full arena of people, you know, like full sale and to see like no chairs there, nobody there, it had to be very deflating. Yeah. For a lot of them. I mean, I I know the reasons that were done for it, but it's still, it's like, oh, you know, pretty, pretty startling. Um, Like I said, you know, we've talked about this a lot, but, you know, I'm watching, you know, the old school Monday Nitros and, um, you know, you see these just jam packed stadiums and, you know, the product was hot at the time that I'm watching it. And, um, you know, it's it's such a contrast from, you know, seeing a bunch of people on a chat roulette screen, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, and, and AEW has, you know, some live fans there. So that's been that's been nice. But it's still, you know, it sounds like a big breezy stadium because or amphitheater because, you know, there's just not they can't have that many people. Um but you know, at least they have some semblance of a live audience, and they still have the wrestlers at ringside, so that's that's been nice. But um, yeah, well, I finally finished too the Johnny Gargano Tommaso Champa story. I watched their their one final beat match, and I I thought it was good. I thought it was right yeah. up there with with the live matches that they had, and the little twist there at the end of Candice LeRae was was nice and yeah. well done. Yeah, I thought I thought they did a good job with it, and then they had the you know they showed Karen and Cross. I think that was the first time he showed up on TV. They were sitting in the car. Um, you know, as, uh, I think Gargano came out to leave, they were sitting in the car in the parking lot, um, carrying cross and, um, Scarlet. So that was their kind of introduction. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think, I think NXT is going to continue to be strong. Um, you know, as, as a person that I, I just love wrestling and, uh, I, I would like to see them on, you know, on different nights, um, just so that they can get the full audience that they should get. I don't see the point of them going head to head, but um, you know, that's, that's only going to happen when somebody decides that, you know, they want to back down. So, um, well, I mean, to to their credit, NXT had always taken place on Wednesday and it was AEW that decided to go head to head with them on Wednesday. So I don't know if they could have picked a different night, but I really doubt NXT is going to do it because they've been running on Wednesdays for so long. And then they run NXT UK on Thursdays. Yeah, no, and that's what I don't. I don't foresee it happening. I mean, I know there was talk that USA was asking them to move, um, move NXT to a different night. But uh, like you said, I don't know. I don't know what night you do that, and I don't know um, if it if it makes that much of a significant change. Um, but I don't. And like I said, I don't. I don't care about any kind of war. I didn't even really care about the Monday Night War, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I just like wrestling and I, I want to enjoy the product no matter who it is. Um, but you know, well, the uh, advantage that, that AEW has over NXT is the fact that with NXT, I think a lot of people choose to watch AEW because they know NXT is going to be on the network the next day. They know that they can go the next day on the network and watch it with no commercials and get through it in an hour and a half. Yeah, that's true. Compared to two hours with commercials. Yeah, and that's. You know, I, like uh, you know, I've said before. You know, you can watch AEW on the TNT app, but um, but it still has commercials. So it, you're kind of gaining something by waiting a day for that uh, the network. So about the ratings, I don't care about. You know, I, I just want to see everybody succeed. And um, yeah, uh, you know, it's over between and um, really cool. Uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you know uh, bears out. Well, I'm, I think I saw I think I remember seeing Impact 
Tuesday night where the Good Brothers are on there with Kenny Omega. Yeah. That's, so, you know, you're seeing this this crossover. It, it, it's yeah. exciting. Like I said, I wish WWE would get on in on it, but WWE is never going to want to book their wrestlers to lose to anybody from AEW or New Japan or Impact or yeah. anything. No, that's 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 the that's the non-starter about the whole thing. That kind of crossover, but but Vince is never going to want someone else's promotion to look stronger than his in any way. And uh, you know, even with the WCW, when when he bought when he bought them out, yeah. he still wanted to make WWE look strong, even though WCW was his product. Now it just yeah. and even with with Sting back in 2015, that just made no. It's like, are you still going to be that pity yeah. that you know you're going to say? WCW is is dead, and we're gonna kill the last remnants of it. No, you already did yeah. that, man. You won. People know yeah. that. It's no, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it's it's you know having just that little bit of humility or self awareness to go. You know what? This is good for wrestling. Like, you know, not all wrestling needs to have the McMahon brand name on it. And no, not and, at all. And, and I think it's it's better for not. You know that that there are options and. Um, you know, as you were talking about earlier, um, yeah, they actually had so Impact does these like uh, events. Um, they've been doing, and they're not really pay per views, but they're like uh, on the Impact Network. And um, they did a a six man. Um, it was the Good Brothers and Kenny versus uh, a Impact Champion uh, Rich Swan, Moose, and Chris Sabin from the Motor City Machine Guns. And K- Kenny actually pinned Rich Swan. So you had the AEW champion pin the Impact champion on a pay per view, and so on an Impact, yeah, on an Impact pay per view. So we're gonna see what happens with that, and then uh, Private Party, uh, which is the team that Matt Hardy's associated with in AEW, they were on Impact last night um, and won a, a number one contendership to the Good Brothers tag titles. So there's there's a lot more interplay. There's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more crossover. Uh, the Good Brothers wrestled on Impact. Or I'm sorry, I'm confusing myself now. The Good Brothers wrestled on um, <laughs> Dynamite last Wednesday night with uh, with Kenny, and um, they took on Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison and uh, another uh, contender that I can't remember what his name was off the top of my head, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it's it's interesting, and you know they continue to to kind of needle New Japan. So I don't know if we're going to eventually see that as well. Uh, it might be it'll probably be post you know pandemic, uh, you know at least at the level that's at now, uh, with with the travel that would be involved with that. But well, and, and it's like you know if Vince would just realize, okay, if your guys do lose, you can still have them look strong. Like I mentioned earlier, it's like that with the Keith Lee Drew thing. Yeah. Yeah, Keith lost the match, but he looks strong in defeat. And WWE could still do that with their wrestlers. They could have Seth Rollins go against Kenny Omega. They could have a hell of a match. Seth loses, but he looks strong in defeat yeah. still. And I think if this was just left up to Triple H, I think Triple H would be a lot more open to it than Vince McMahon currently. With Vince McMahon currently running the product, he'll never be open to it. But I think Triple H would definitely be open to the idea of yeah, something and, like that. And I don't, I don't ever want to like be accused of speculating on someone's death or, or wishing for it, or you know. But I, I, I hope that you know Vince has worked hard his entire life um, to make this product what it is, to make this company what it is. You know, they're listed on Wall Street, and um, you know. But I think it's time for him to just to enjoy his his golden years. I mean. 
you know, he, pro- he probably doesn't have yeah. a lot of them left. And I think, you know, and it, you know, that's, this is just my opinion. I can't tell someone else how to live their life or anything like that. Well, well, no, and you're right. He's got nothing right. left to prove. You know, he, 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 he did everything he needed to do. He's got nothing left to prove. It's okay to step back and maybe even watch your product grow better because right now it's really no. not. I think by my going with these other companies, you it could even grow even yeah. further because it would even expose people that there are some people out there that might not even know about WWE. Yeah. They're just straight impact watchers or straight AEW yeah. watchers. And they see some of this WWE talent and may want them want to even tune in to see what WWE, okay, what, what, what do they have to offer? What are they I mean, doing? it's not something that he's not done before. I mean, you know, he had, he did some work with uh, Smoky uh, Smoky Valley Wrestling back in the day, which I mean, Cornette's always been kind of a WWE guy anyway. But um, you know, they did some cross promotion. He worked with, uh, he helped finance ECW for a time. And, you know, and they, yeah, I remember yeah. when they worked together back in '97. Yeah. They'd have ECW invade Raw and the other way around, and yeah. it was exciting. It was exciting. Yeah, people love that. I mean, and I think if if you don't see the value in that, you're missing. You're missing the point, and, and and you know a lot of a lot of people try to like downplay people that aren't in WWE, but it's like, okay, but WWE offer these guys gigantic contracts, you know, and they turned them down because they wanted to do their own thing, and you know if they weren't valuable, they wouldn't have been offered that money, and uh, and I think right. you know it's 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 just that pettiness of you know that we need to get away from as fans. Um, you know that one talent from one place is is not any different from a talent from another place. Um, you know, unless. Well, I, I'll give you I'll give you an example. Like I was watching Raw back in '97. I just kind of tuned it on one night and I saw Paul mm-hmm. Heyman on there, but I remembered him as Paul yeah. Dangerously, and he was you know he was he was kind of sitting up there promoting. They they had taken over Raw and talking about ECW. I'm like, well, what is this ECW? I've I've not heard of them. So I you know I kind of yeah. researched it as when the internet was in its infancy. And I, I found ECW and started watching ECW. That was kind of my my turn on to that. And I just don't see how they how Vince does not see that today. No, I, I don't just, either. I, I I just <laughs> you know in my my estimation, I think it I think it would be a good thing. But I mean, I'm sure Vince has a million reasons in his head not to do it. Um, but I don't know, um, Jesse. We got uh, we only have a few minutes left in the show here. Um, I wanted to tell you all to join us. Uh, Tomorrow night, we're going to have the second part of our Undertaker series. Um, and then in the coming weeks, uh, you know, if, if you all have suggestions for our current event podcast, the things you want to hear us talk about, like like tonight's episode, this was just kind of a mishmash of different different ideas and different topics that we had talked about. Um, you know, if you have suggestions, please hit us up on our socials. Um, and then obviously, um, you know, we, we, we've talked about and planned out you know the next few months uh we're going to be doing a wrestle or i'm sorry a royal rumble um retrospective in ways in a, in a way uh jesse has his has it kind of planned out the way he wants to do it um and then uh we're going to be doing a two-part series on on the members of the Rhodes family um so dusty will be a whole episode and then we'll do one about the brothers so um you know and the the, the plan the plan i was kind of going with was we'll finish our undertaker retrospective mm-hmm. next week and then the week after that where we can do um where we do our two episode podcast we can talk about the rumble mm-hmm. we can talk about maybe the first 15 16 years on the first okay. one and then the the last 15 16 years on, okay. on the second yeah one. and I'm, I'm fine with that um i think that'll be a fun fun trip down memory lane and in, in, in some respects 
some rumbles are, are not equal to others, but, um, but yeah, I think it'll be a fun, fun time. And it's a, definitely a unique, a unique thing to WWE, a very WWE type thing. So, um, yeah, rum- rumbles are always fun, even if oh, they're yeah. bad. I mean, I still, I still enjoy them. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So, um, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap things up here. Uh, we're going to tag out and Jesse's going to tell you all to have a good night and be safe. And we will see you all tomorrow night for the undertaker retrospective. All right, everybody be safe, be smart. Uh, Make sure you join us tomorrow night. We're going to go from the years 2000 to 2010 and talking about uh, Taker. It's going to be a, a fun ride. A lot of stuff that I remember that I'm uh, interested in talking about, looking forward to. So uh, we'll see you all tomorrow night. All right. Good night, everyone. <laughs>